This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, 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 everyone. Today on the podcast, we made a grave error here on Nantucket Island, and I forgot my microphone. And so we were unable to record the deep dive we had prepared because we only had one mic. So Chandler and I convened and we threw a pop apologist boardroom emergency meeting. We brought in all of the board members, all of the stakeholders, and we said what to do. And we said, let's just quality over quantity always. Let's get them the quality episode just a little bit late. So your regular Pop Apologist episode, the quality that you have been so looking forward to and so excited for is still coming your way this week. Don't worry. Let's soothe that sympathetic nervous system. <sighs> breathe in, breathe out. We're going to have a deep dive for you tomorrow. But instead of just having a late episode for you this week, I decided I would hop on and answer some questions, give some advice people were asking for, do a little Q&A, just so there would be some new content on Wednesday. So that is coming to you. We have a 30-minute segment that's just me, a solo episode, Lauren. But I wanted to juice up this little episode, interim episode, because a truly delightful experience and tale was shared with me and Chandler on Nantucket Island by one and only Wyatt Grow, our brother-in-law. He had a run-in with a unicyclist. And this unicyclist on Nantucket Island, talk about a storyteller extraordinaire. The experience that this unicyclist shared was, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I'm just going to tell you that it is worth every second of your time as you listen. Chandler and I, when we heard this story, our jaws were on the floor. Like, it is such a good tale. So anyway, we are also, to start off this episode, going to have Wyatt share his experience with this unicyclist. Wyatt is such a good storyteller. So um, you're also about to find out that Wyatt is probably the star of this family, just hidden amongst other stars. So with that said, Wyatt, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you so much, LB, for that honestly overly generous intro. I am happy to be part of the Bledsoe family. I'm happy to have an elevated position in the Bledsoe family as the frosting on the family cinnamon roll, I think is what it was called. Who said it? You're the frosting? One of the uncles at one point in time referred to me (laughs) as the frosting on the cinnamon roll, and that it stuck with me as maybe the highest compliment I've ever received. But it's a lovely family to be in, and I'm more than happy to try to carry my weight with the podcast because I get so much joy out of listening to you all. Hopefully, I can share some of that joy. And I think Lauren was overly generous in kind of 
suggesting that this story has anything to do with me. I am but merely a vessel. I am merely a prophet who has communed with the Most High and has returned from the wilderness to relay the message. That's all. Courtney and I, after, I think it was after a meal or maybe just after some shopping, we wandered down to the pier in Nantucket. We were looking at the boats and the gulls and whatever. And we noticed this man who was walking this very large unicycle. And we just thought, this is obviously a character, right? He was talking with truthfully everyone. So either they're all locals and they all know him and he knows them, or he's just an incredibly friendly individual. He looked like Larry David and Matthew McConaughey had a child, right? He had a good, you know, he had a good stature, a good build. And we were just watching him, watching all the scenery. And maybe we even looked picturesque. I don't know. Or maybe this is just the segue that he uses every time to gain a new audience. But he just said, you look so lovely sitting there on that bench. Would you like me to take your picture? Of course. Yeah, we love having a picture taken. So he takes our picture with our phone. And then he sits down next to us and begins to talk. And he talked about, you know, where he came from, where he hit some of his years on Nantucket. But the unicycle is really, I think, what sets him apart as a person and is really probably part of his identity. Is Because he's been unicycling since he was, I think, six years old. And he even spoke of how riding unicycle teaching others how to ride a unicycle, how that really served him over the years to make friends, to branch out socially, because due to his parents being in the military, he moved around so much, and that was his conduit for making new friends. So we're just going to tell two stories. I've got two stories that he told us that we were completely captivated by. It was almost like a I mean, Rumpelstiltskin, I know that he didn't tell stories. I know he was a little bit more of a trickster himself, but it really felt like almost like a siren, you know, that like you get captivated by them and then you can dash yourself against the rocks. Like there was no getting out of these stories and we didn't want to be out of these stories. We wanted to hear whatever he was going to say next. So uh, the first story, and they're all, the common thread is unicycle. The first story is that one day he was riding down the cobblestone street of Main Street in Nantucket. And these cobblestones are very bouncy. In a car, it's almost an unpleasant experience to drive over them. It's a lot of side to side everywhere, jostling. So he's riding down the cobblestone street and he speaks about the kind of the difficulty of doing that. And he frequently will have people say, oh, hey, can I ride your unicycle? Or, hey, can I give that a try? Can you show me? And he's learned through painful experience that you really can't let people get up on the unicycle that don't have prior unicycling experience. It's never going to end well. And like I said, he rides a big unicycle, so it's a long fall to some hard stones below. So anyways, he's riding down Main Street, and he said that he he heard a voice kind of above the crowd that said, I want to try that, or hey, can I try that? And he even though the person was very far away, he said that he could tell he was struck to his heart that this person was talking to him. And so he kind of looked back and he saw a man genuinely sprinting down the cobblestone street headed straight towards him. So he said, I I knew he was coming for me. I got off my unicycle and I held it there for the man. And then without a word, there's because his unicycle is large, there's kind of like a, 
a mounting procedure, getting on. He needs to have a pole or a tree or another person near him to get, get up on the high unicycle. So as this man was running down the street toward him, he held the unicycle in the mounting position. Something inside him told him that this man, who he'd never seen before, knew how to ride this unicycle and would be just fine. So without a word, the man mounts the unicycle, David helps him up, and then is holding him there as the, the new rider does what is called idling, where you just kind of pedal back and forth. You can't hold completely still on a unicycle. I guess it just doesn't work. And so you kind of idle, you pedal back and forth, you tell your kind of find your balance, find your bearings, and then you set off on your ride. So David said that as he was helping this man do his idol and kind of find his ultimate bearings, he looked in his face truly for the first time. And it was a face that he hadn't seen in probably 40 years. He said, I knew that that was my friend, Alan, that I had moved away from in Ohio or Pennsylvania or wherever. We had been best friends when I was 10 years old and I had taught him how to ride a unicycle back then. We hadn't seen each other since, weren't Facebook friends. And here he was on my unicycle. And I just said, Alan. And he looked over at me and said, David. And we embraced and we bonded over the fact that that the unicycle would bring us back together again after all these years. And I just realized I slipped into first person as David. (laughs) But anyways, it was just a beautiful story of two men separated by distance and, and time and coming back together again over unicycle. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned cube frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com, POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. That's unicycle story number one. Unicycle story number two is definitely more relevant to pop culture, more uh, to the heart of the pop apologist mission. 
So unicycle story number two goes as follows. David, and I might as well just slip into the first person. I don't, I'm just, I'm going to slip in and out of first person telling the story indiscriminately. Don't hate. Sometimes I'll say David. Sometimes I'll say I, but really I mean he. We're just going to have to deal with it. So it was just after Thanksgiving and David... And I'm going to give you the details that he gave us, whether or not they feel completely germane. I'm just going to try to tell it the way he told it because it was so riveting for us. So anyways, David had just hosted Thanksgiving for his extended family. And as we all know, hosting something like that, although your home is filled with laughter and good smells and conversation... Generally, it's it's kind of what people are grinding for the whole year is to have these weeks and weekends at home with family for the holidays. So even though it was everything had gone lovely and he was so excited to have hosted his family, David was feeling significant relief that they had just left. <sighs> Does a big exhale. And this day that he's feeling this big emotional exhale because his family has gone home, everything has gone well, but now he's back to his own peaceful routine. He says, "Is a windless day on Nantucket. And he said, the number of days during any given year that are windless on Nantucket, he said, will never be more than, you know, a single hand. And he said, if it's ever kind of winter time, and normally it's, you know, so cutting on your face, but if you look around and you just notice that you're feeling good right now, you don't know why you're feeling so great, but you're just feeling good. It's probably because the wind has stopped on Nantucket. And he said he was having one of those days. So he was riding his unicycle. He was, talks about as he goes with some speed into the turns, it's almost the way a skier carves into a turn on the mountain. So really kind of digging in your edge and leaning at a strong angle as the wheel and the, and the centrifugal force kind of carries you around. So he was just having a, a day. He was vibing on the unicycle. And as he made the corner onto, you know, one of the main streets here, he just thought, oh, I don't know that I want to ride up this street right now. I'm going to go ride on the sidewalk. And it's not necessarily illegal to ride on the sidewalk, although it may be. But because he's local, because he's the beloved unicyclist, he'll sometimes do it. And I think he gets away with it. So he said he was riding on the sidewalk for a minute. And then he just got the impression that he needed to get off the unicycle and walk it. So he's now walking the unicycle on the sidewalk down the, one of the main streets. The next thing that he sees is he looks up and notices crossing one of the crosswalks is essentially a troop of six men, all tall, all well-dressed, all well-built, marching in like perfect step across the sidewalk and he just thinks man who moves like that nobody moves in a circle like six men standing in a circle walking in in perfect lockstep this must be a dance group this must be maybe there's some sort of they're on break from a show or maybe there's even some sort of private special performance that will be taking place on the island somewhere this is definitely a group of male dancers. Their physiques are just so toned and everything. They just move so well. They move athletically. So he watches as this circle of men in perfect harmony crosses the street. They get to the sidewalk. And then rather than kind of making an arcing bend, 
the way an, any normal person would walk. The circle of six men advances straight onto the sidewalk from the crosswalk and then does a 90-degree shift. And he thinks, man, these guys are so regimented. He's like, and you know what? They're actually kind of bigger than I would think any dancers would be. These might just be, maybe these are athletes. Maybe this is a team of professional sportsmen. And now the the circle of six men is walking up the sidewalk toward him. So he continues. He's got his unicycle. He's walking it. That's fine. That's legal. At least somewhere in his mind is playing like, am I going to get in trouble for what's going on? Because he notices that the men, their gaze is fairly intent on him. Like not really looking at anything else, just kind of straight ahead looking at him. And he's like, okay, well, I, I guess I'm curious to see where this goes. I'm a little bit afraid. So he can he keeps walking their way. They keep walking his. The distance is closing, you know, rather rapidly when you're moving. Two two people are moving towards one another, and it gets to the point where he's like, "I'm going to need somebody to make a little space here, right? This is a good sized sidewalk. Common courtesy would dictate that somebody move aside so that I can continue on my way up the sidewalk." And he, he said, "I don't need a lot of room. I just need, you know." space for one body turned sideways in a unicycle. I'll even let them kind of pass. But as they get closer and closer, there is no hint that this group is going to make any sort of concession on this sidewalk. And then to much to David's fear and anticipation, the circle opens up and completely surrounds him. Once they are so close, they don't move to the side, they just surround him. And he obviously is concerned, you know, a little bit startled. It's broad daylight. It, it would be a very unusual setting for any type of, you know, violence or anything like that. So as he's kind of gathering his wits, looking around the circle of six men that have surrounded him, he sees a hand extended in a, the universal gesture of friendship of a handshake from one of the men that was at the back of the circle. He takes a hand and he looks up and he sees the face of none other than Vice President Joe Biden. <laughs> so this is, I don't remember the year. Let's say this is 20, I don't know, 14, 15. And Joe Biden had directed this group of men. This is, you know, this is Secret Service's personal security detail to go to David because Joe Biden knows how to and enjoys riding unicycles. And he begins to talk with David, the resident unicyclist, about unicycles and talks about the size that he has at home when he started riding. And they're just having a few minute conversation about unicycle riding. And David, he says much to his own personal, I don't know, regret maybe is too strong of a word, but he's like, I was kind of curious if Joe Biden wasn't just politicking with me, wasn't just trying to find common ground and, and joshing about a unicycle. He's like, I kind of quizzed him actually pretty hard. And maybe even too hard, but to be honest, he said he passed all of my inspection that I'm convinced that he is a genuine unicyclist. And then he said something strange happened when one of the men that was in the circle broke out of the circle and went around behind David. And he kind of was tracking him, you know, just the way that you do subconsciously. And then he heard that man essentially collide with, not tackle, but forcefully collide with a woman that was approaching. This is all just gathered through his peripheral senses. So he hears just like a, 
kind of an oof noise of a of the air being forced out of someone's lungs. He said he didn't think that the woman hit the ground, but she definitely stumbled backward and essentially had been kind of body checked by this member of the security detail. David was, you know, shocked by that. You know, what threat had he identified what was happening? And he can tell that everyone in the circle is tensing up now to some degree. Now, the man who had left the circle and had just checked that woman then comes back around to the circle opposite David, puts his hands on the shoulders of two of the other agents, pulls the shoulders apart so that he can rejoin the circle, but doesn't just rejoin the circle. He uses those two shoulders and his grip on them to launch himself forward and headbutt David in the forehead for reasons completely unknown. David is reeling. He's injured. He's feeling attacked. He's I think he says he maybe even is clenching his fists a little bit because he didn't, you know, when you don't know you're in a fight and then you find yourself in a fight, you're going to react a certain way. So he's just trying to figure out what's going on. And he said he kind of changed his stance a little bit, like common, like more of like a, you know, ready to engage stance. And then he watched as three of the men in perfect harmony took a step back and put their hands on their guns that were in their on their waistbands. He said he realized in that moment, obviously, no matter how I'm feeling right now, I need to be real careful. I need to be real calm. I'm just going to let this play out however it does. So then he says that the man who had headbutted him kind of barks out in just like a really terse tone. The vice president of the United States has a very strict schedule to keep and can't be seen here talking or can't can't spend his whole day here talking with you or something like that and so the circle then steps back closes without david inside it and begins moving down the sidewalk again so david's just been really rattled by this whole thing and he crosses the street with his unicycle and kind of just follows on the opposite sidewalk watching and just looking over at what this group is going to do and he says that he noticed that the guy who had attacked him, he's like, man, that guy looks a lot like Joe Biden. So he notices that it's Bo Biden, Joe Biden's son. After he has that realization, he kind of just watches the group go away. And I don't know that that gave him any real meaning to what had just happened, but the group just makes their way kind of out of sight. David loses track of them, loses interest in following them. That's the end of the story. Or is it? So this is already a very topsy-turvy, wild story. I mean, who's going to get headbutted in the presence of Joe Biden by Joe Biden's son? But there's more to come. As a few years later, again, David's family has come for Thanksgiving. They've shared a lovely meal. They've laughed. Maybe they've even cried. David is been an excellent host he's feeling exhausted and now he's feeling relieved because his family has left thanksgiving is over and he's enjoying another nice day riding his unicycle down the main thoroughfares of nantucket he sees two men crossing the sidewalk both tall both well-dressed and he says again these two men make a beeline right for him he gets off his unicycle And one of these two men is now no longer vice president of the United States, Joe Biden. 
he instantly recognizes David and he reaches out his hand and he takes it and he just says, I met you last time you were riding the unicycle and David's kind of getting caught up in this too. Cause I don't think he's feeling as threatened as last time. And he says, Oh yeah, you know, we were just right over there. Kind of, he's kind of twisting. He's holding on to Joe Biden's hand and he kind of tries to let go a little bit as he twists to, to point to where they had been standing last time. And he said, Joe Biden won't or doesn't let go of his hand. He just keeps a firm grip on him. And then he just says, I need to apologize to you for the last time that we met and the way that my son behaved. I didn't know it at the time, but that was going to be the last Thanksgiving I would ever have with him. And his behavior wasn't reflective of his true character. And Joe Biden on the streets of Nantucket, his hand held with David in a close embrace, cried. It's Lauren back, and I just think that that is such a special story. So thank you so much, Wyatt, for sharing two stories, really. And it's just crazy to think, like, what a special person Joe Biden was before the elites replaced him with a robot. <laughs> like, wow. And with that, we will cut to my solo episode. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my mm. clean, simple eats protein powder. Yeah. I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially. If you like the simply vanilla, if you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip. You got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water. And that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there. Everyone, go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. That's POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. Cleansimpleeats.com, POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello everyone. On Instagram we said... Inspired by this lighthouse on Nantucket, we decided that perhaps we could offer more entirely uncredentialed advice on this week's episode. I'm going to just give some sage wisdom. My 33 years on this planet, what do I have to offer? Okay, so someone said, side hustle ideas for a recently single mom. On the episode on Patreon titled, More Bad Advice from Lauren and Chan from July 21st, the first 10 minutes of that episode is me explaining how I would create an online business if I needed to create some cash flow for myself. I not only explain how exactly to do that, but I also give a full business idea that I think truly anyone could run with and create for probably under $3,000 total and not 3000 at once either. I'm going to defer to that episode and refer you to it. So go to the Patreon, go listen to that episode. More bad advice from Lauren and Chan on July 21st for my thoughts on 
side hustles and really how you can create cash flow online, which is super possible. Okay, so someone says, should I just say fuck it and take Ozempic? I cannot seem to get my ass into gear. Yes, I think you should. This is Lauren talking. This is just me. But I fully plan at some point in my life to try it. I think that it's almost like such a relief to know that it exists in case I go through a season in my life where that's something I really struggle with, um, where I struggle with keeping my weight down. Like why on some level are we making it so hard on ourselves? So I think, yeah, just go for it. Like if I struggled with that personally, I would absolutely take it. Like for me, life is just too short. Also, I was reading on IG Famous by Dana's account. She has documented her experience with Ozempic. And apparently these peptides, it's a peptide, these GLP-1 agonists, I'm sure I'm butchering it. These have been around for decades. So it's not like they're that new. And I think there's can be something really powerful about a shot in the arm, you know, something that really helps you just get it into gear, feel your best. Again, life is really, really too short. And if there's something that can help you, take it. Yeah, it's a calculated risk, but it seems like the risk isn't too bad. And also, another thing I'll say, think about the risk of not living your best life. Think about what you're risking every day by spending your one human experience not at your best. Okay, think about that. All right, another in-law question. So someone says, my parents want to buy the house across the street from us that just came on the market. While there are many pros to this situation, there are potentially even more cons as they are a bit judgmental and super nosy. They'd be peering in our windows daily for sure. How do I say please don't buy that house in a non-awkward way? I do love them so much, but the 15 minute drive away they live right now is perfect. Honestly, I think you just need to be extremely direct and say, I know this is going to be tricky, this conversation, and I just want to preface it by how much I love you and how hard it is for me to have it. But I just want to share that I don't think in my vision for my life, it was living across the street from my parents. I think that just as an adult, a little bit of independence feels really healthy for me. And I think that that dynamic of living across the street, it just might feel like too much for me. And I would just be honest, you know, just speak plainly and honestly and directly, but with love. Um, And it's worth having that conversation. Okay, so the next question is how to gently tell your little sister she's going overboard with lip filler. Oh, this is a tough one. It's so hard because I feel like anytime someone criticizes anyone else's appearance, it's hard for that person to ever forget that piece of criticism. Now, criticizing an aesthetic choice someone is making that is like an injection that can be undone. I guess that's less personal than just someone criticizing someone's body the way it naturally is. So maybe that doesn't apply, but I do think that it's a heavy conversation to have. I'm trying to imagine. Okay, so at first I was thinking like, don't do it. It's her body. Just let her live her life, YOLO. But now I'm thinking, what if Chandler just like shot up her face and had crazy duck lips like what would I do and I would definitely not just like let her live her life YOLO no I would sit her ass down I would just be like I need to tell you this because I'm your sister and I feel like I love you enough to have this uncomfortable conversation but you are past what you were trying to achieve and now it's looking overdone and 
I know that some people might disagree with that, but you know what? I think that's the role of family. The role of family is to step in when our siblings or our children or our parents have bad ideas, you know? Because if your family won't, who else will? Okay. Living at home at 28, working as a server post long breakup, want to KMS advice. All right. I lived at home when I was 28. I did get like a corporate job, but I was living at home when I was 28. I just think that if you're post a breakup and you are living at home, just letting yourself have a minute, I would try to regard yourself as you would regard your future daughter, which is with a lot of patience, a lot of grace, a lot of love. Like I'm considering how I would treat my niece because I don't have a daughter yet, but how I would treat my niece if she was 28 and, you know, staying with me after a bad breakup and just working as a server and figuring stuff out. And the last thing I would want her to feel is shame or like she's not enough or insecurity. I would want her to just be able to fully relax in a safe environment where she feels loved and can take a reset. And I think that instead of feeling like so lame and so bad about yourself, I would just try to relish in the fact that you have this safety net because so many people don't. Like what a glamorous, wonderful thing to have the safety net of parents who you can just go stay with at any time. There's really something so special about that. So I would just let yourself have this moment and let yourself reset. Okay, so someone wants to know my favorite jewelry brand right now. And that leads me to a very exciting announcement. So all of August, we have a special sponsor of the podcast, and that is my one and only bestie, my nearest and dearest NPR, Sara. Her brand, Casita Jewelry, is sponsoring the podcast. When I first moved to Puerto Rico, I had one tennis bracelet Kagan had given me as a gift and my engagement ring um, and one other little bracelet. And any jewelry I wore was a gift from Kagan. I thought that was just so romantic. And then I met this absolutely stunning girl named Sara. And she wore the most interesting, cool jewelry. Her taste in jewelry was really, really special and unique. And she had these really cool diamond snake huggies on and all these really sick bracelets. And her jewelry and the way she paired things, it was just unlike really anyone I'd ever met. And so anyway... I just like had to know more about what she was wearing and it turned out she had a jewelry brand um, and had really just a long family history of being obsessed with jewelry, her, her sister and her mom. So anyway, she really kind of like took me under her wing and explained the jewelry industry to me and told me so much and educated me so much. And anyway, so I wear so much Casita jewelry and Casita jewelry is just one of my favorite brands. And so I really wanted to do a partnership in August with a brand that I truly love and wear all the time and use all the time. And so I approached Sara and was like, would you ever be interested in doing a month long sponsorship of the podcast and a partnership together? Because we're moving in a different direction with this podcast in terms of advertising and partnerships. We are really wanting to be a lot more thoughtful about our ads. And that's kind of something we'll talk about, you know, at a later date. Moving forward, we really, really, really only want to advertise things that we truly are obsessed with. 
and really love and we know you're going to love too. And so we're taking a break from all of our normal ads. We've been taking a break for a minute. And while we kind of refocus and re-strategize our partnerships to be more authentic, in August, we decided let's do something that is like super legit. So I am really excited because this month you can get 30% off anything at Casita Jewelry site-wide. Just enter the code POPAPOLOGIST. So I'm really, really excited about it. It's just a crazy discount. She has stuff on sale. It works on sale. So this is just like a wild discount. So August 30% off Casita Jewelry. Go to casitajewelry.com. Link will be in the description and you can get 30% off the entire month of August. Anything site-wide. Use code POPAPOLOGIST. So really excited to bring that deal to you guys. So if you want a diamond tennis bracelet, if you want a tennis necklace, if you want gorgeous earrings and you need to go to Casita Jewelry and use that code because you're going to be able to get it for such a banger of a deal. Okay, so someone wants to know Puerto Rico girls trip itinerary, please. My Puerto Rico girls trip advice is to go to St. Bart's and I know that's obnoxious, but for me, Puerto Rico is an amazing place to live. But in terms of like a pure vacation, you can just get such a better experience for a similar price at a nearby island. I really don't consider Puerto Rico to be a great vacation destination. To me, it's a it's the only Caribbean island I would want to live on. So if I was you, I would go to Guana Island. I would go to St. Bart's. I would go to Anguilla. For a pure vacation, Puerto Rico is is not necessarily the place I would go. And that is just my very honest advice. Okay, so someone wants my take on manifesting. So manifesting to me is one of the most real things there is. Manifesting, it is not a situation, I think, where you envision a Maserati in the driveway and then in two days a Maserati will pull up for you to drive free of charge. That is yours. That is not manifesting. But I think that cultivating a mental space where you envision a certain life and you envision a certain level of success and you envision a certain home where you envision, you know, a certain lifestyle. I think that having your brain oriented towards your vision of the future and of what you want helps you work towards those things and create that for yourself. The biggest way that manifesting, I think, works in a positive, real way is when you treat yourself and others with love. So instead of having a bunch of negativity in your brain or having a bunch of negativity towards others, if you can regard others with positivity and show them love and show yourself love, the positive changes in your life are just it's irrefutable. Um, And this is definitely like a Joe Dispenza adjacent thought. But I think that the more that you have a positive experience mentally and approach life with positivity, the more that life smiles back at you because you're being kind to others. So others are being kind to you and you're being kind to yourself. And so you are showing up happier. You're showing up with less resentment, less negativity, your people will regard you more positively because your energy has shifted and that will yield positive 
result, right? And that will become a virtuous loop. When you're kind to others and you show them love, they'll become kind back to you and they will invite you to things and your friendships will deepen. And it's just kind of like is this virtuous cycle. Whereas if you are resentful of others and you're not supportive of them, then you're suddenly a person that maybe people don't really want around and you will feel a divide between you and others grow and that resentment will grow and you get to choose how you show up and impact others and that will just yield such, such powerful effects in your life. And so I think that manifesting is absolutely true and real and we absolutely all create our own realities. So any one of us, doesn't matter what level of success you have, where you are on the socioeconomic ladder, what your marriage is like, any one of us can create a story in our head where everything is terrible. And any one of us can create a story in our head that centers around gratitude. And I bet you that we've all done both. Um, And we all know what the story around gratitude, where that takes us mentally, And we all know where the negative story takes us mentally. And so choosing the positive is just something that yields such positivity. Okay, so now I'm going to pivot to just some Q&A. So someone says, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is to this day, this book called Wild Game. I just reread it because it's set on Cape Cod and I feel like that's kind of Nantucket adjacent. So I reread it on this trip and it is just the perfect combination of scenic, stunning writing. The prose is just so gorgeous and so evocative. The scenes described are just beautiful but then the story itself is so dramatic and juicy so I am so into this book and I highly highly recommend it It is an absolute page turner it's about a girl who's 14 years old and it's a memoir it's a true story and when she's 14 her mom basically starts an affair with her husband's best friend and her mom basically makes her like a co-conspirator to the affair and it's just the most wild wild story so wild game that's what it's called So someone says, can you share more about Costa Rica? Like the kind of things you do there, activities, it seems like it could be so isolated. So Puerto Rico is where I live, not Costa Rica. And our life there is the opposite of isolated. We have a ton of friends that we are connected to that are living there too. It's almost like a a fraternity and a sorority. I have, I would say, 10 really solid girlfriends around my age there. Um, and my husband probably has 20 to 30 really good friends. Anyway, we have just have a huge community of friends. And so we feel super lucky and there's tons of outdoor activities and we can go to nearby islands. So it's really honestly the opposite of isolated. And yeah, we love our life in Puerto Rico and we're super happy there. So I don't think we're leaving anytime soon. So someone said, what's a good gift to give a close girlfriend for a birthday? What's something you've loved that you received in the past? I'm going to say fine jewelry. I'm going to say earrings. I'm going to say a cute ring. I'm going to say use the 30% off code at casitajewelry.com. And that is a very good gift. Any jewelry is my favorite kind of gift because it's just something you can keep for forever. And you'll always be reminded of that person. When do I want kids? Someone asks. I would like to be on the Meghan Markle timeline and have my first kid at 37, 38, second kid around 40, 41. How many kids do I want between two and three? 
So someone asked, would you ever, would you and Chan ever venture into more clothing plus home content? I love both of your styles. This is so nice. It's really important for us, I think, to kind of focus the podcast a little bit and just make sure that we're not just trying to have everything make in a buck. I think like for me and Chandler, this podcast and our Instagram account and everything we do, at the end of the day, it is not about making money. It's about like actually creating content we think people will love first and foremost and sharing. And we've done this for so long. And for the first couple of years, we basically made nothing. And it really is and has been a passion project. And I think we want to keep Pop Apologists that way as much as possible. And the more that we do links and stuff like that, I don't know, it just kind of gets exhausting. So maybe if we can have more money to hire someone to help with that, we would do it. But I think for now, we just want to keep the content and the account focused and not just be trying to like make a buck in every way possible. And then I'm going to sign off with this question. Someone said, do you ever want to live in New York City? So I just had a truly, truly incandescent experience in New York City. A flip switched in my brain when I was there on this most recent trip. And I definitely want to live there at some point. It's just an incredible place. It's such a corny thing to say. There's really this energy to it where you can just be exactly who you want to be. And there's just so many interesting people and the food is just insane. And it's just a really, really special place. So at some point, I would like to live in New York City. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Sorry that this is just a kind of lame solo episode, but at least we got you something. And go to casitajewelry.com, 30% off with code POPAPOLOGIST. You guys, 30% off is huge. I'm so grateful to Sara for partnering with us this month so that we can bring you this discount. Please once you buy something, send me a DM. You can send it to me personally on Lauren Having Fun or on Pop Apologists. I want to see what you bought. I want to see the pic of it when you get it. I want to see it on. There's nothing I love more than talking about jewelry with people. So legit, I want to see your purchases and I want the selfie when it comes in the mail. Okay, love you guys. We'll be back with our full episode deep dive. You're not going to want to miss tomorrow's episode. That's all I have to say. Bye. that's all for now folks don't forget give us a five-star review hit us up on instagram at pop apologists and we will see you next week live every wednesday Bye.